Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Oheb Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. So for this week's Parsha, which is a double Parsha, Vayakal Bakude, we're going to be speaking about the Kruvim, which I'm intentionally not defining as of now. Now, the Kruvim are the, well, they are winged some things, creatures perhaps, um, whose construction is detailed in Exodus chapter 25, verses 18 through 22. Now for Vayakal Bakude, um, just as a side note, these are the Parshas that tell us the detail, all the construction of the various things for the tabernacle, for the Mishkan that are told, that are commanded to us in Truman Tetzave. So one is at some liberty to um, overlap these parshiot a little bit. And so we'll be looking at the instructions which are given over in Parsha Truma. So again, we're in Exodus chapter 25 verses 18 through 22, if you would like to follow along. So we're told in verse 18, make two kruvim of gold hammered work at the two ends of the kaporet. Now, what we're talking about at this point is the kaporet is the cover for the aron. So we have to make the aron, um, which we translate as ark, which is going to contain the tablets. And there is a kaporet to go on top of it. And now we're being told that on at the two ends, it, there's going to be one crew, there are two kruvim, one at each end of this kaporet of this cover for the ark. Now, verse 19 Make one crew at one end and the other crew at the other end. And then of one piece with the cover, with the kapora, shall you make the kruvim at its two ends. The kruvim shall have their wings spread out above, shielding the cover with their wings. So that's something now that we know that these kruvim, whatever they are, again, I'm leaving it undefined intentionally, have their wings spread out above such that they are covering this kaporet. The cover, which is the cover of the Aron. And then in, in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, still in verse 20, Upnehem ish el achiv. And their faces are one to the other. El ha kapor kruvim. And so their faces will be turning towards the kaporet. So we've got two creatures, one at each end of this cover. And we're told now that they're facing each other and also facing the kaporet, facing the cover, which implies facing each other, but also perhaps downwards as well. And then in 21, um, we're told that when you put the, the, the luchot, um, the, the, um, the tablets into the aron and um, and then the commandment to, to put the Kruvim again once on top. Um, and so that is the, the completion of the instructions of these Kruvim. Now, so here's what we know about the Kruvim. There are two of them. They have wings. They have some kind of face because the word is Pnehem. And I think that the language arguably implies that they are both male because the language is that they are facing one another, Ish el Achiv. One man to his brother. That could refer to a more generic one and the other, but I do think that there there are certainly are other ways to say one and the other without being as gendered. So Ishalachiv really I do think implies both male. Now what we don't know is what are they? What are these figures? And what purpose do they serve? Now we see a wide range of interpretations in the Mafarshim, in the commentaries. So what I just wanted to provide today was an overview of those different opinions, and then we'll consider some of the meaning behind them. Now I have 
before I go into any of this, I want to first give credit where it is most certainly due. Um, as I've mentioned before, I'm a big fan of the website, thetorah.com, which has lots of really nice short articles on different parts of the Parsha written by um, Jew mostly Jewish, though not exclusively, um, academics. So it blends um, more traditional Torah study with an academic approach as well. And there are two articles on their website that I really used and relied on heavily for the preparation of this material. One is called What Kind of Creatures Are the Kruvim? And that's by Dr. Ra'anan Eichler. And then another is called The Kruvim, Their Role on the Ark in the Holy of Holies. And that's by Dr. Rabbi Zev Farber. So thank you to them for all of their tremendous work on this. So back to what are these Kruvim? What are they? What do they actually look like? Now, the Rashbam says they were birds, ofot, a large, an of gadol baal knafaim, a large bird with wings. So we can imagine, and many of us have seen the imagery of winged creatures on the top of the Aron. So he says these were birds. Now, of course, why does this make sense? Again, the, the Rashbam is a, he, he, he's a big fan of pshat. So what kind of creature has wings? A bird, right? That's, so that's, according to him, the approach that makes the most sense. Now, we see that many of the Mefarshim go in a different direction. Now, the Gemara in Sukkah argues that this is a human. And so the Gemara begins as a Sukkah 5b. My kruv, what is the etymology of the word kruv? And then Rebbe Abahu says, it means kruv is keravya. So it, that's, you can imagine the word kruv, it's um, kaf resh vav. So he says it's excuse me, not Kafresh Bet. And so he says that that means Keravya, which means like a child, because in Bavel, he says they called a child a Ravya, which means a Kruv means like the face of a child. Now, Abaye then says, well, wait a minute, how do you explain this verse in Yechezkel? Now, this is a, a verse in Yechezkel describing this chariot. And then there is, we're told that they're, the Kruvim, there are Kruvim on them. Um, and, and there's a whole mishmash of things. I decided not to go into it. If you want, you can look back at it in Ezekiel 10, 9 to 14. Um, but the word Kruv is referenced there. It seems to be a kind of a figure. And Abaye says, well, how do you understand the verse if Kruv is compared to to um, is sort of distinguished from a man there. He says, Kruvim and a human should be the same. But Abaye concludes and says, well, they are the same, but the difference is a child is small and a man is larger. And so according to this Gemara, a Kruv is the image of a child specifically. Um, Rashi agrees with this also, says, Demut um, partsuf tinoklahem. So this was an image of a face of a young child. Now, why am I spending time on this? I'm spending time on this because I think it's interesting because we are familiar with cherubim, the image of winged babies um, serving as angels that you see um, in lots of religious re Christian references and on Valentine's Day cards and the like. And so that's where some of this comes in, is that, they had, that there was this tradition that there were winged children. Now, the Bechor Shor goes in a different direction and says that they're like holy beasts and, and is more along the lines of Ezekiel. Where I think things get more interesting is if you look at Rabbeinu Avraham ben Arambam, he believes that actually these were part human, part animal, more mystical creatures. And he says the Kruvim had the legs of birds, but that everything above the shoulder was human form. And from the wings to the bottom of its body, it was a bird. 
So that's worded a little funny, but essentially they had the body of a bird, but shoulders and above was human. So a mixture of these two creatures, which would explain the wings and also explain this idea that they had faces. And again, that language of Ish el Achiv. And that's another explanation. The Kruvim as sexual humans also comes up. We may have heard um, this Gemara before. It's the Gemara in Yoma 54a that says that when the Jewish people would ascend to Jerusalem for the Shosha Regalim, the pilgrimage festivals, the priests would roll up the parochet, the curtain for them, and show them the Kruvim. And that what was the image of the Kruvim? They were clinging to one another and he would say to them, see how you are beloved before God, like the love of a male and a female. Now, this implies a couple of things. First of all, that the Kruvim, one is male, one is female. They are not identical, but also that they would be clinging to one another in, um, as Rashi clarifies, with sexual or at least intimate manner. Um, and then we see in the Ketav and Kabbalah, another opinion also that it's male, one male and one female. So we've seen a wide range. It's anything from the Rashbam who says, well, creatures that have wings are birds. So that's what it is to that. It's a face of a child um, to that. It's a part human, part animal creature. And now we see, well, actually, they're humans, but not just humans. They're humans in a sexual embrace. So then as these two articles I mentioned before, the question becomes, okay, so what's actually the most likely, right? We have this fascinating tradition. And then historically, what is most likely? Now, what's most likely is, and this is something that the Ibn Ezra actually argues, which is that Kruvim just means figure, generally. It does not have one consistent meaning. And we actually see that come up in the Torah. Because if you remember when, um, when Adam and Chava are driven out of Gan Eden, the Pasuk tells us in Genesis 3 that um, God assigns, God leaves the, the fiery sword, the fiery overturning sword, which is guarded by the Kruvim at the entrance of Gan Eden. So here it seems like Kruvim would not be two humans engaged in a loving embrace, and it might be birds, but that most likely these are guards of some kind. And actually, um, what we do see a strong tradition of is that there are many um, temp ancient temples and other spaces would erect large winged creatures or certainly at the very least large animal human mixture guards structures and um, that then often now found in museums etc to guard the temple and so certainly in some context Kruvim does refer to some kind of creatures that guard the entrance to something holy and something that you have to have reverence for and in this case of in Breshit something that you cannot enter. So this approach of, okay, Kruvim might actually historically not mean one thing, but in the context, it could, I think, is most convincing. It re represents some kind of figure that has a guard-like aspect. Now, the question then for us becomes, okay, so if that's a common meaning of Kruvim, why did there are rabbis over time seek out alternative explanations? Why did they argue that they're the face of children or that they're face of humans that are in a loving embrace? Why not just say, oh, well, they're figures intended to, to be kind of scary and signify something powerful because these Kruvim are 
are on top of the, um, they're on the kaporet that covers the aron, that covers, you know, the, 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 the most, the most sacred objects in our religious tradition. Why not just say they're guards? Why have this in the image of human beings specifically? Now, I think that that's something important to ponder and that, um, Rabbeinu Bachia and others offer a really, I think, beautiful explanation and beautiful understanding of this. And, um, I'll just read one paragraph of his commentary on the Kruvim, and I'm going to read in English. He says, it would have been possible to construct the Kruvim in a way that one was the figure of an adult and the other the figure of a child. And that is how Yechezkel saw it in his vision. In his vision, the message would have been that the love of God for Israel was like the love of a father for a son, a very formidable kind of love. However, in the tabernacle, the intention was to describe an ongoing close relationship. Seeing that it was impossible to inform us of the type of relationship which exists between God and the Jewish people, the Torah decided to describe this by means of the kruvim in the tabernacle. So essentially what he's arguing is, if the Torah wanted us, if God wanted us to look at the holiest objects in our religious tradition and see a real, imagine a relationship in which the, it's disciplinarian and the person being disciplined, then yes, it would be a man and a child. It would be a parent relationship. However, what he says, that's not the kind of relationship God wants us to think of. God wants us to think of just man and wife who have a direct connection in which they express their love for one another. And it is not a relationship of, of discipline. It's not a relationship in which one party has more power over the other. It's a relationship of pure intimacy and pure love. And I just wanted to offer all of this explanation and all of these historical details to give us an appreciation of what it means that Chazal chose to understand the Kruvim not as guards, um, and, and many departed from the understanding of it that they were animals, but really wanted to focus on this idea that they were human beings and human beings in a loving embrace, which means that when they look, that what, what that's really saying is they want us to think when we look at the holiest objects in our religious tradition, that our first Reaction should not be one of fear and one of awe, but one uh, of warmth and one of love. And um, I think especially this week, as, as we are living um, in a world that is, has so much fear in it, this is a nice opportunity to pause and reflect on the ways that we have love in our life and the ways that we should look to scary situations and try to find the love within it. Shabbat Shalom.